0: Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around if you are curious about learning more about Peace, the United Methodist community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Dot .com We hope that you enjoy this episode please like rate review subscribe and now on to the sacred story reading Jack is going to come and read our sacred story for this week. And just to highlight Jack for a minute, Jack has been through a really long process to become a deaconess within the United Methodist Church. And just last week, Jack was consecrated in New York at the national meeting. Uh, as a deaconess and has been assigned and appointed to our church. And we are really excited to continue the work with Jack and just to see all that, that Jack does to help make this community, like our local church community, but also the community around us flourish. Because that's the role of a deacon is to really serve the people and to serve the community in which they are, they are planted. And so we're so grateful to have Jack. And so we'll get to hear Jack read the sacred story for this week. So Jack, thank you so much for all your hard work to get to this point, And congratulations.
1: Today I'll read Exodus 16, 2-5 and 22-23. through 23. The whole congregation Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us, kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for the day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the sixth day, when... They prepare what they bring in, it'll be twice as much as they gather on the other days. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, two omens apiece. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. And all that was left over, put aside to be kept until the morning.
0: Thanks, Jack. So we are in the middle of a series we're calling Out of the Box and Outside the Lines. We're taking a look at different parts of Scripture where God had an order, God had a way, had a flow, had an expectation for people. And then as humans tend to do, they decided to go in a different direction. They decided to try to control some aspect of that, try to control something so they could have power, so they could have position, so they could survive at the cost of others as opposed to recognizing there's more than enough for all of us. And when that happens, there's a need for liberation. There's a need for God to step in and say, no, we need to do this differently. We can't keep going like this. So, I kind of made this little flow chart for you so we can see that out of chaos comes the order, right? Every beginning comes from a sense of chaos. We see this in Genesis chapter one. We see this in our own lives. Whenever we need to bring order, it's because something is out of line or it's just not the way it should be. It's not flowing properly. So we need to bring order to it. But then that order can sometimes become something we try to control, we manipulate, we use it for our own advantage, and we need liberation. And liberation is actually a little bit chaotic. When you're, when you're in liberation, when you're moving towards this space of the unknown, something that's free when you haven't been, or when you're moving into a time when you're disrupting what you thought was the right thing, that, that liberation can be chaotic in your life. Because you're, you're kind of wondering, okay, I know I can't do that anymore, and I need to do something else, but I don't know what the something else is, and so I'm liberated from the one thing, but now I'm in this in-between time and it feels a little chaotic. I don't know really where to land. And that's where a new order, a healthy order, a healthy flow will hopefully come in. And so we see this happen. We see this cycle happen time and time again throughout the history of Israel. We see this in the New Testament, and we can see this throughout human history and in our own lives. There's something so beautiful about this time of year. We all know it. It's springtime. There's flowers are starting to come up. The grass is hopefully turned green one day. Um, the snow will hopefully all be gone. It's, we just, there's something magical about the spring, even though it comes with allergies, which I get in full force, um, which is unfortunate, but hey, I'll take allergies if I can get spring. And so um, there's something so beautiful about creation. And I, I, I think the end of the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 2, because if you're unfamiliar with the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 is like the first six days of creation, and then Genesis 2 starts with day 7. I want to read that to you uh, right now. On the seventh day, God had finished the work of creation. So God rested from all God's work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. That word holy is really important because that word holy just means set apart. Set apart. So, if you want a simple trans, like what does it mean to be holy? Because a lot of times we go perfection, we talk about you know, being pure, we talk about it being this kind of unattainable goal. The word holy just simply means to be set apart, set apart. Now we can set apart a good behavior from a bad behavior, right? So it looks a little bit healthier, right? That's a way to be set apart. But also we can just say there's something unique happening in this place. So a whole it declared it holy, set apart because it was the day when God rested from all God's work. Of creation, So Earth Day is coming up, and we see the creation narrative, and we recognize the, the work that God put into creation, and we see the majesty of it, we see the order of it, we see the intentionality of it, we can see the beauty of it. And there's something that happens at the end of that creation area where God just pauses to rest. And scholars throughout history have asked the question, well, why is God resting? I think I've talked about this a little bit before at one point. But there's a question of like, why does the all-powerful creator of the whole universe need to take a break Because usually when I rest, it's out of exhaustion. It's because I'm too tired. I can't keep my eyes open. I've worked hard, or my kids have driven me to the point of I just need a break. I need to turn it off, like go to grandma's house so I can sleep. Whatever it is, I usually take a nap or I rest because I'm I'm spent. Now, if I was the all-powerful creator of the universe and the heavens and all the things in it, and created you know animals, and I created a giraffe, I mean, I I can't imagine I would need a break. I mean, just kind of sounds weird to think that God's taking a break. Well. That's where we have to say, well, maybe God's not taking a break. Maybe there's something else happening here. And so some scholars think that when it says that God rested, God's reflecting on all that God had done. That there's a moment of just pausing and looking back at all the beauty and all the the wonderful creativity and just taking it in, just taking a moment to appreciate what has happened and what we've gone through. Sometimes that, that rest and appreciation is because we've been through some hard stuff. And we just need to pause and take it in and say, wow, this season was a doozy. Like this, whatever I've been through, it's been hard. You just need to pause. And sometimes we pause and some scholars would say that God was pausing maybe to look back and to rest and reflect and to appreciate, but also resting prepares us for what's ahead. Maybe God was preparing God's self for the hard work of relationship with humanity. Because if we know the story that the author of Genesis is telling, it's about to go a little sideways. There's going to start to be some division. There's going to start to be some disruption of this harmony that God has created. There's going to be a little uh, unease, right? The relationship's going to get hurt and fractured. And so maybe God is pausing, not because God needs to be like, okay, I just really need to prepare myself for this. It's going to be really hard. But maybe there's a sense of just saying, you know, before we dive into all this hard stuff, let me just take a beat. Let me just take a beat. Because sometimes when we just go from one hard thing to the next hard thing to the next hard thing, we don't show up with a whole lot of generosity and kindness. You ever, ever, ever have that happen in your life where you're in this of one hard thing and you know you got to tackle that next hard thing? And instead of taking a moment to breathe, you just dive in and then you don't show up as your best self. You don't show up with a lot of kindness or space for that other person. And you end up saying things or doing things that actually make the situation worse. And so maybe God here is just kind of, whoo, okay, love what happened. Beauty, imagination, creativity at its highest, wonderful. Now let's get ready to do life. Let's get ready to enter into the mess. Let's get ready to be in relationship with this dynamic creation that has the freedom to reject me, that has the freedom to walk away. And how can I be patient for this creation? And so maybe God is looking back. Maybe God is preparing for what's ahead. And I think as we reflect on our care for creation, we can look back in in both beauty and awe and wonder at creation and look back and say, what have we done? How have we messed this up? And maybe we pause on Earth Day to say, okay, now what can we do? What can we do to help this thing flow the way it should? How can we get it humming once again? I think that rest is a holy disruption. It's a holy disruption. Now, disruption doesn't normally come across as like a good word, right? Disruption is where we are kind of veering off the wrong way or it's getting us out of tra- off track with what we want. But I think, I think that rest and Sabbath is a holy disruption. It's a set-apart disruption to the way that life seems to just be going on and on and on. This is the story of Israel. This is the story of the Israelite people when they were captive in Egypt. So if you know the story... This family from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob grows into this dynamic family, and there's hundreds of them, and they have this whole group of people. Joseph, one of the younger brothers, gets sold off into slavery. He rises to prominence in the land of Egypt, and then a famine hits the entire community, the entire area, that that whole region of the world. And so the brothers come to Egypt because they find out that Egypt has food. And so they go to Egypt and they go to this guy and they say, can you help us? They don't even know it's their brother who's risen to prominence and has organized all of Egypt and allowed them to flourish in a time of a famine. And so they go to their brother unknowingly and they ask him for food and he says, yes, we have food. And then he reveals himself to be their brother and they have this moment and it's kind of beautiful and they have some forgiveness. And then Joseph invites the whole family and all their livestock and all their possessions to come into the land of Egypt to be well taken care of in the land of Egypt. A few generations later, after Joseph has died and after the the work of Joseph is no longer remembered, the new Pharaoh, the new king of Egypt, decides there's a whole lot of people living on our land and they keep growing. And if they get too big, they may think they're entitled to a say or control. And so let's beat them to the punch and let's enslave them. And let's take away all their resources, let's steal all their stuff, and let's enslave them to do work for us. And so the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, enslaves all of this growing community that we know are the Israelites. And so they are enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And for 400 years, they have no response, there's nothing. They're just stuck as slaves in Egypt. And then God calls Moses to lead the people to freedom. And so we read this dynamic story in the first 15 chapters of Exodus of God using the person of Moses and Aaron and Miriam to lead the people out of the land of Egypt and out into the wilderness on their journey to the promised land. And the thing about this journey to the promised land is that it should be a quick journey, just a few months And so they're heading towards the great mountain, Mount Sinai, where they are going to meet with God. But before they get there, it's about a three-month journey, and they're about a month and a half into the journey. And that's where we pick up where Jack was reading from. They're a month and a half into their journey to Mount Sinai, where they are going to offer their thanks to the Lord. They're going to receive instructions. That's where they're going to get the Ten Commandments. That's where they're going to find out who they are as a people. And on their way, we hear the grumbling that Jack read about. They're like, we would rather have died in Egypt where we had full plates of meat and and pots of boiling stew and all this food. We had everything we needed. We're just going to forget that we were slaves for a second. And we're just going to wish that we had died there as opposed to starving out here in the wilderness. And that's when God says to Moses, okay, we do need to do something about this. I'm going to bring manna from heaven. But God doesn't just bring manna from heaven. It would be miraculous and important if God said, you know what, survival is necessary. Sustenance is necessary. You need food. So I'm going to provide manna. But God doesn't just provide manna. God also instructs them to rest, to have a holy Sabbath. I find it really fascinating that these things are linked up together. You would think that survival would be enough. You would think that just getting to Mount Sinai intact with their bellies mostly full would be enough for them to make it there, but that's not what God is up to because in this moment, as they are traveling from Egypt to Mount Sinai, the question they must be asking themselves is, what does it mean to be a people? We've been slaves for 400 years. What does it mean to be human now? Because the way that Egypt operated is that there was no Sabbath. There was no rest. There was no day off. It was seven days a week, 24 hours a day of making bricks after bricks after bricks. That's all they did was make, 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 produce, produce, produce. And that's it. That was their entire life, day after day. Early in the Moses story, Moses actually goes to Pharaoh and doesn't say, can you, can you free the people? Moses says, can you give us one day to go out into the wilderness and have an offering for our God and to like, worship our God in private and not do it under, under this oppression? Can we just have a day off? And Pharaoh says, no. And so when they get out into the wilderness and God gives them food to eat, God says, you need a new rhythm. You need a new rhythm to life. It can't be go, 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 bricks, 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 bricks. It's got to have something else to it. You have to rest. Because humans are not made just to survive. To be human is more than just survival, but sacred rhythm, to be present to life. That's what it means to be human. It's one thing to survive this world. It's another thing to be present to the life that God has given you. It's another thing to appreciate, to be able to look back at where you've been, to deal with the tragedy of it, to appreciate the wonder of it, and to also prepare for what's ahead in your life. You have to be able to have rest. So here's a question. I'm going to ask you basically three questions today. Where do you find rest right now in life? What makes you truly pause? And for we're all different people, all different numbers on the enneagram, all different strengths finder, all different Myers Briggs, all different you name your personality test. We're all somewhat different variations of similar things, but we're all different unique. We're all wired differently. Some are extroverts, some are introverts and all the other things. So how are you wired and how do you find rest? For me, Friday mornings, Fridays my day off and I wake up get the kids off on the bus, take a really big deep breath because the house is quiet finally. I put the dogs on the leash and I walk up to the brew house in New Brighton and my dogs and I walk through the drive through and I get a cup of coffee and then we walk 45 minutes through the park on the way home. That to me is how I rest. And some of you are like, that sounds awesome. And others of you are like, I can't do that. Don't like dogs. I'm a cat person. Others of you are like, man, that sounds like a, a job, having to walk something. Some of you are like, that's not my beverage of choice. Whatever it is, what is it for you? So just take a second and just think, what is it for you that you find rest? Is it reading a good book? Is it going out with friends? Is it is it just enjoying a, a re- like an actual nap? Is it is it maybe organizing the closet you haven't been able to organize for a while? I know some people find rest. Yeah, see Missy over there. There's got both thumbs up for that one. Yeah, some people just being able to finally get to that little project that actually, that organization, like bringing some order to the chaos of life is actually one of the most restful things you can do. What is it for you that allows you to not just survive this life, but to have a rhythm to it so that you can be present to all of your life? The danger with Sabbath, is that we legalize it. Because it'd be really easy to say, okay, church, every Saturday you better take a break. Or Saturday is your work day around the house, Sunday's your day off. Don't do anything. And then the moment you get home from church and you have a little lunch and then you look around the house and you go, you know, I just didn't quite get to the vacuuming. Or, you know, the bird feeder fell off the tree. I should really go fix it. Or, oh man, you know, the toilet's not flushing right. And so I should probably work on that. Or whatever it is, you just kind of look around. Or it's like, you know... My boss has that thing due pretty early on Monday. And if I just jump on it now, it'll make my evening a little bit calmer. So I should just jump on that really quickly and just get it done. If I get it done quick, it'll it'll feel really good. And then suddenly, if you have this legal version of Sabbath, you start feeling kind of guilty about it, right? Like, oh, I'm supposed to rest, I'm supposed to take some time for myself, but the toilet's not flushing, so Maybe it is for me, right? Now I can go to the bathroom in peace. Like, so you, make, you tell the story that you have to tell yourself in order to feel like you're taking a Sabbath or you feel like you're resting. Too often we can legalize it. And this was happening left and right in Jesus' day. Left and right, the Pharisees were demanding that people do something the same way in order to be considered holy or to be considered perfect. And so Jesus comes along and says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So, as we navigate what does Sabbath look like for you, have the freedom to say, you know, I need to make it what works for me. I can't, I can't make it what works just for you, or just for Jason, or just the church, or just history. we got to figure out how can this meet the needs of the people, not me serving the Sabbath. Because ultimately what, we, what they were seeing in the first century is that the Pharisees were putting the Sabbath on the pedestal and not the needs of the people. If you're someone who has to get out there and harvest all the grain in your field, and if you miss a day, you're going to be in trouble for that season and not be able to get enough, and some of it's going to spoil and go bad, then I'm guessing that maybe working a little harder during that season isn't going to be the end of the world it just isn't. It just isn't. Maybe if you're in a certain season, you need to have a different rhythm and be able to explore what a new rhythm could look like. But there's always going to be these barriers to Sabbath. We're always going to make excuses. Because the thing we don't want to do, even though we're not going to legalize it, even though we're not going to worship the Sabbath, the danger is that we're just going to discard the Sabbath. We're just going to let it go that we're just going to say, oh, you know what, I'm just going to do this because this is just the season that I'm in. But there's a lot of barriers to Sabbath. Reason number one, I'm too busy. Anyone ever said that when you felt like I probably should take a break, but you choose to just plow through and keep going? I'm too busy. Or I need to keep pace, right? There's this kind of internal competition with the Joneses. But we're all trying to keep pace with someone. There's always something that we're seeing as a benchmark for us. Oh, if I just had this, or if I just earned. That if I just looked like this, or if I just had like whatever it is, we're trying to keep up with something. We're trying to keep pace with something. And we think that if I just plow through, even though I'm tired, even though I'm exhausted, or even though I know there's a sacred rhythm and I should probably get involved in it, and it's been going on since the foundation of creation, and even God took a break, and God instructs the Israelites to take a break, even before they got the Ten Commandments, even before Jesus, the one of the, the very first things that God does is say, you need to rest. But you know what? I don't because I'm too busy. I need to keep up. Some of us feel guilty or selfish. This is a big one in our culture. If you were to take a break, how many of you would feel like, you're, like you'd like you feel that guilt just hit you straight on? I know I do. There's times when, I mean, my day off is Friday. How many of you are working on Fridays? I think about that. I walk the dogs and go get my coffee and I'm like, how many of the people that I'm working for and with are working right now and here I am just walking the dogs, hanging out, chilling, trying to take a deep breath. And I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's what replenishes me and what allows me to do my job well and show up for my family well, but I can't help but feel a little bit guilty. I can't help but feel a little bit selfish because my The culture around me has programmed me to feel that way. I've been programmed to feel guilty, to feel selfish, to feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. This is one of the most dangerous pieces of this entire thing, is this feeling of selfishness or that guilt that comes over when you take a break. Because that means that we are held captive by a culture that is not reflective of the sacred rhythm of six and one, that we're held captive by something other than the way God has designed humanity to work. We need rest. We're wired for it. We need to do it. And some of us, every expression of the Sabbath sounds really boring to us. This is kind of the humorous one, but it's true for so many people. They hear the idea of Sabbath and they go, oh my goodness, are you telling me I have to not do anything all day? That sounds like torture. Yeah, for some of you, that would be torture. Two things I would say to you. One, ask the question, what truly allows me to show up and be fully present in my life? Do that. Maybe that is what's resting for you figure out how you're wired. If it's organizing the linen closet, then organize the closet. Maybe that is rest. Maybe that is what brings you life. But some of you who feel like Sabbath is boring because how can I possibly sit still? How can I possibly do nothing? Part of that's because you've been wired that way and you have to figure out how to see Sabbath as a discipline. This is why it's called a spiritual discipline, is that you actually have to be disciplined to it. You actually have to work at it. You actually have to try hard. Sometimes it's not what comes naturally because our current wiring is telling us to feel guilty or that it's selfish or that I need to keep pace or I'm too busy and so I can't possibly slow down. Yeah, you can. You actually can. What I would recommend is don't start with like an entire day. Take a moment. Take an afternoon, take an hour, and just say, what's the thing I can do to truly rest today? I can't do a 24-hour Sabbath. I can't do a 12-hour Sabbath. I can't do a three-hour Sabbath. But I'm going to do an hour-long Sabbath. I'm just going to rest for an hour. I'm going to go for a walk. That's it. No headphones, no podcast I should have listened to, no news program that I didn't get caught up on. Just smell the roses for a minute just go for a walk. Sabbath might actually be boring. Maybe we're supposed to be bored a little bit. Maybe in in the place of boredom is where true creativity and imagination can be birthed. I try to tell my kids all the time to go get bored. I would love to see what comes from their boredom. That's typically where the best Lego projects come from, My kid is really into making things out of cardboard, and if I lock him in his room for two hours, the cardboard creation gets way more creative than if he's only in there for a few minutes. Sometimes that boredom is where the real good stuff can come alive. Jesus says this in Mark chapter eight. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So the two questions I want to leave with you. What is it? that blocks your ability to connect to Sabbath? What's your barrier? Too busy? Trying to keep up? It's boring? I feel guilty? Maybe it's something else I didn't list. What is it that blocks you from resting? For what is it blocks you from taking a Sabbath? And then, what's something where you can get your soul back? One of the ways you can translate this is what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose yourself? What if you lose you? We're not talking about eternal damnation of your soul. We're talking about the presence of you in this moment. Like the fullness of Elaine showing up in every moment of life. We want that. We need that. The world needs that. The world needs the fullest it can get of Elaine not a worn-out, tired Elaine, not an Elaine who feels stressed. Sorry, I'm using you as an example. (laughs) Hope you're okay with it. But we need a rested, Sabbathing, fully present, alive, fullness of her being person. That's what we need. That's what building God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, that's what moving towards the kingdom of God looks like, is you being fully you, and the only way to get there is to rest. So what are the barriers that block you from resting and taking a Sabbath? And what's a small way you can get yourself back so that you show up in all the fullness of who you are? Because that's what God's kingdom needs. Let's pray. God, it is not enough that we just survive this world. For some, that's all we can think about and that's all we know what to do. But God, please help us. Spirit, move in us. Help us to listen to those around us as we move towards living into the fullness of what it means to be human. In order to do that, God, help us to rest, help us to breathe, help us to take a moment, help us to reflect on all that has been, the struggle of it, the toil, the hardness but also the beauty, the awe, and the wonder as we prepare for where you're taking us, God. Preparing for what's ahead, both the beauty and awe and wonder of what's ahead, but also the struggle of what's ahead. God, may you help us to rest so that we can show up as a non-anxious presence to the world that so desperately needs rested people. There's enough exhaustion in our world. God, help us to be rested, Sabbathing people who show up with grace and patience and kindness and joy. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. The essence of this community, to be reconciling and growing for everyone, that we truly want to be a place where people can... Break down the barriers that get in the way of healthy relationship, relationship with God, within ourselves, with others, and with all of creation. We want this whole thing to hum. That's what reconciliation is all about, moving towards that flow and that that generosity of spirit. And we want to be a place that does that. That's what it means for us to be reconcilers. And in order to do that, we got to grow. And so we encourage growth, whether that's relationally, whether that's in your biblical knowledge, whether that's um, just Growing as a person, just expanding who you are, being more inclusive and kind and hospitable, we want to encourage your growth as we continue to move towards God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And one way we want to encourage growth in our community is through the Little Free Library. The Little Free Library, we've been promoting this for a while now. Um, the tree out back still has some uh, little tags on it and all you have to do is grab one of those and inside of it you'll have a book title and you can either drop some money off in an envelope in the office or in the offering plate and we'll purchase the book for you or if you just want to go grab the book or if you have the book and you want to donate it you just got to put it in the red box on a Sunday morning. May 21st will be the day that we cut the ribbon. We're going to put this thing in the ground and we're going to cut the ribbon on May 21st. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be a fun Sunday, so come ready to enjoy the little free library. There are some funding needs necessary that are still ongoing and so that beyond just the books, there's, you know, supplies for the building of it um, and some of the other the components that go into this building of the Little Free Library. So if you have the ability to just to have a little extra, um, you can find this on our website. There's a link straight to um, a way to give just for the Little Free Library and we'd, we'd really appreciate it. Um, one other thing that we got going on is hospitality. We've had to sign up all throughout the kind of school year and we've been doing a great job. We've had such wonderful people that have been helping out, uh, coordinating that. Kita and Sue do such a great job putting a great team together that supplies just such wonderful treats and coffee and and things for us and that calendar is running out at the end of April which is coming up pretty quick and so we got a new sign up for that if you want to help out through the summer months May, June, July, August and then we'll have another sign up for the school year. Um, If you are confused or don't know what it takes talk to Sue. I'm going to put her on the spot. You can raise your hand, everybody. Go talk to Sue. Um, She'll help give you the 411 on what goes into being a part of the hospitality team. And we do this whether we're inside or outside. So for those of you that are not familiar with our community, we do outside services in the summertime, kind of different weeks of the summer, not every week. Uh, But we will be out there and we'll have treats outside and it'll be a good time. So, uh, So yeah, if you can sign up, check out the Tuesday News. And if you're curious what Tuesday News is, that's our our newsletter, our email that goes out every single week. You have to sign up for that online. So go to our website, sign up for Tuesday News, and then you can get the sign-up sheet for hospitality. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God, and may you have peace.